Welcome to In Our Words, Black Entrepreneurs Speak Wisconsin. The mission of this podcast is to provide a more holistic understanding of the African-American entrepreneur in the state of Wisconsin. Specifically, we seek to gain in-depth understanding regarding challenges faced and overcome by black business owners, while also providing success stories and strategies implemented along the way that has helped grow their business startup and growth resources. Welcome to In Our Words, Black Business Owners Speak Wisconsin. Let me tell y'all, let me tell y'all, we have some, we have some queens in the room tonight. We got some queens (laughs) in the room tonight, ready to talk about their stories and their experiences and their entrepreneurship and business ownership in the state. Oh, I hope y'all ready. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to jump right in. We're going to jump right in tonight. Okay. Robin Scott, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Okay. Who is Robin Scott? Uh I feel like you're teaming up. That was a little <laughs> change of energy right there. Uh, Robin Scott is a woman, black woman, a mom boss. I'm an executive director of an African-American resource center that's in Green Bay, one of little across the country. And I'm just excited to be a leader and an activist in my community. Talk further of like, where where did it all start for you? Ooh, all right. So... Uh, we All Rise, it initially started as an after-school program for black youth. I learned that less than 1% of our young people were involved in after-school programming in our community. And I know just across the country, that's unheard of for black kids. So we're talking sports, all that. And, you know, like, it just got me thinking that uh, I know that it's important for our kids to be active. And I know that they want to be active and families want them to be active. But there was just something that as a community we were lacking and something that we were not doing to catch the attention of the black youth in our community. And so I wanted to be a part of bridging that gap and a part of creating solutions for my community. And as part of that, I, you know, was looking around to see what funding is out there, what opportunities do we have and wrote an RFP and found out that we were funded. And so our initial funding was through Department of Children and Families and in Domestic Abuse Wisconsin that released the RFP. And they have been doing wonderful work for young people across the state for quite some time. And they gave a grassroots builder an opportunity in Green Bay. And since then, I've been doing my thing. So I hear you talking about an RFP. Can you explain to the listeners what an RFP is? Yeah. And so I can't even give you technical terminology off off top because I'm just, I still got highway brain, but they release the documents uh, for any sort of grant. And so RFP is when you look to those documents to write or follow to be able to receive federal, state, or any other sort of grants or donations for your organization. Okay. Thank you, Robin. Yeah. Jamila, how are you doing? I'm tired, but I'm, I'm tired. here. Who is Jay Riley? Oh, the same question. Ah. Mm. Uh, well, I guess I can start off the same as Robin. I'm a black woman, okay? Um, wife, mother, entrepreneur, um, business owner, a friend to mm-hmm. many. God, I, I don't know. I wear so many hats. I can't really even, we'll be here all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The owner and founder of Jay Riley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where where did it all start for you? Oh, let's see. I, my whole family is, I come from a very crafty background. So my mom, sister, aunts, uncles, everyone is involved in the arts some type of way, visual arts, whether it be uh, painting, drawing, sewing, cooking, um, painting, 
singing, dancing, every, everybody's involved in the art. So I've always grown up in an environment where it was natural for us. Um, but ironically, my mother, no one in my family taught me to crochet. My babysitter did. And so at about nine is when I picked up the skill of crochet. And then I did, you know, I was just doing little pieces of uh, trivets for my grandmother to put a pot mm-hmm. on or something like that or little blankets that were crooked and stuff. But, you know, just kind of practicing and didn't never would have thought fast forward to today that I would have a successful thriving business that's centered around crocheting. Mm. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners today a little bit more about crocheting and what it takes to be? So crocheting is the act of taking yarn. So people get crochet and knit mixed up. Knitting is done with two needles and crochet is done with one hook. I crochet. I have the knowledge of knitting, but I am not a knitter. (laughs) I am a crocheter. And so crocheting is basically any type of knitwear that you see is either crochet or knit. So it's basically taking yarn and stringing it together and looping it together to create something. Like I said, I started off small with like scarves and afghans and blankets. And one day I was starting a hat and one of my girlfriends was like, stop right there. And I was like, okay, what? It was a small circle, and she's like, "That's an earring." And I would have, I would have never in a million years thought about making crochet earrings or accessories because you know when you hear crochet, the first thing people typically think of is like an afghan. You think of grandmothers, you think of old, you think of the seventies, you know, throws on the back of a couch or something. You don't think dope accessories and homeware, you know. So that's what I do. And tell me about you know since you've started. What has changed for you mentally, physically, spiritually? That is such a loaded question. Oh, my God. Physically, I'm definitely more tired. The funny thing is people say they're going to become an entrepreneur so they don't have to work for somebody else. They don't want to work these hours. And ironically, when you become an entrepreneur, you're working for yourself, but you are working nonstop, really. I mean, and and some work being more strenuous than others. I'm not one of those people that, you know, you can sleep when you're dead. Nope. Because I definitely listen to my body and rest as needed. But it's a nonstop Mm -hmm. journey. And so physically, I'm definitely more tired. Mentally, I've been stretched a lot because as many creatives are, that's all I want to do is create. Like, I just want to make the stuff and send it out into the world. Um, I don't want to be the marketer. I don't want to be the saleswoman. I don't want to be, you know, the accountant. I don't want to do all those things. But, you know, starting off, like you said, grassroots. You have to wear all those different hats. So mentally, I've definitely (laughs) um, been stretched beyond what I thought possible. Spiritually, I think, has been the biggest growth because that was the whole reason that I ever left. Because my actual formal background is in education. I was an art teacher for five years total. Two years at one school, then I two years at another school, and then I went back and taught fourth grade at another school. And in between there. I was always doing crocheting and really just making like sets for my coworkers if they saw something of mine or just random things. But I kept feeling this this prompting of the Lord saying that I had more than enough to make it with my hands. And I didn't know what that meant because I also did hair. I've been done hair for 30 years. Mm. So I'm like, well, what does that mean? Am I supposed to do hair? Am I crocheting? Am I painting? Like, what does that look like? And so I struggled with that. But the more I think that I got closer to him and really tapped into my personal relationship with him and allowed to allowed him to speak directly to me, it freed me up to just kind of walk off my job. 
And I don't recommend nobody just straight up walk off your job because in retrospect, when I look back, I'm like, I had kids. I had no savings. I wasn't married. Like, Mm -hmm. it was kind of crazy. But that was crazy faith. And that same faith is what has carried me to today. So, like, all of my decisions, everything is run through my spiritual filter. My business plan. I didn't even have a business plan. Like, literally just last year, I started working on business planning and, you know, strategic planning. And so my entrepreneurial role doesn't necessarily look like what it should look like, you know, what we're taught it should be like. It's very different. So spiritually has probably been the most growth by far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Robin, what has changed for you, you know, since you started mentally, physically, and spiritually? Yeah, so a lot. You know, I've grown in so many different type of ways. I've been stretched in so many different type of ways. Um, But uh, I've learned a lot on this journey, like, and I continue to learn a lot. I think mentally, I am learning, and I think it's a lifelong process that we must delegate, as she talked about. We must, in roles of leadership, we must recognize that leadership is a pretty lonely role. And then a lot of things around you change throughout the process, right? It's really not just this thing about, like, losing people. It's about finding yourself and your work. And finding like where, where you need to be. Where does the balance for you? And I think that like we're in this constant pursuit of balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of, uh, a very close person to me always told me that like, we're always going to be seeking balance. We're, that's what we're going to say for the rest of our lives. I'm trying to balance family and, and work and then our, our family and career and, and school or, uh, friends, all of those things. And so, uh, one of the most important things that it is to do is just just find what makes sense right now and know that you're always going to be heavy on something. And so all throughout the year, I'm always trying to figure out what am I heavy on right now? Where's my priorities? And so mentally, I'm there. I'm at the point of I'm figuring out what boundaries are like for me for 2022. I'm figuring out like what am I heavy on in January? Right. And so this month it was just fasting from certain things that, you know, no longer serve me the same way. And then next month I, you know, I have some ideas, but I don't know what next month is going to bring. And as a, as a woman and a wife and a mom, I'm learning be patient, right? Like wait for next month to come. I don't need to already have my eyeballs in next month and my antennas <laughs> in the next month. Breathe and uh trust the team, trust the process. So that's where I am mentally. I'd say physically, I agree with you. I'm 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 tired. A part of leadership being lonely is is if isolation is hard sometimes and sometimes you must isolate to elevate. And so I'm at that process right now where I feel, I feel really tired, but I have like in mind, like renewing and rejuvenation. And so I'm working on something, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just not there yet. And I would say spiritually, always in constant prayer. And if you ask me on the car ride here, I didn't pray enough, right? Because I was running a little bit behind. And so I was kind of mentally just beating myself up like, oh, I'm going to be late. You know, this is really important to me and really important audience to be speaking to. And so I was really tough on myself. And I just think, you know, maybe I should have prayed a little bit more. I should have, you know, been more focused. And But spiritually, I would say, you know, I'm restoring. I, I stay prayed up. Um, and I'm doing the best that I can do and staying present with myself. That part. 
Yes. That part. Earlier, I heard you mention boundaries. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit more on the importance of exhibiting boundaries or having boundaries? Yeah. So first I'll start by saying this. Bud's words are crazy right now in American <laughs> society, right? And so I don't like being the one. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like some people say boundaries like in a, such a cliche way. Right. And it's like, just set boundaries. So it's definitely, and I don't, even for the viewers, I don't want them to feel like, tired or exhausted by the word I want them to feel like renewed in a way because boundaries are definitely a process and for what boundaries look like for me is definitely going to be different for every role every sector of you know the work and and whatever your entrepreneur journey is but for me it's really trying to figure out like so not cutting work off at four or five or a particular time, but saying when I'm home, I will rest and enjoy my children, right? That's the boundary. So once I do get home, I'm going to focus just on them. The phone ringing is not going to bother me anymore. I'm not going to be up late with the girlfriends chopping it up all the time like I used to. You know what I mean? And then there's going to be a time and place for that. So maybe I'm going to pick one Saturday out of the month or one Friday to reinvest in that and and have a little bit more fun or joy than uh, what I've been having. But on this journey, I have to be really clear about what I'm on and what my goals are and stick to them and follow through. And then I have to know that the reward is in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like something that I'm going to see. There's no, not going to be any fireworks shooting out. <laughs> it's not this, you know, mm-hmm. like crazy thing, but it is going to be rewarding because I'm accomplishing what I need to accomplish. And so I always go back with boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's finding your balance at the time. It's setting really like, uh, strict, but not super rigid Mm -hmm. deadlines and things for yourself, right? And it's all-encompassing. So whenever you set boundaries, don't just make them all about work. Make them about your social life, your spiritual life, you know what I mean? Your physical well-being, all of that. Even being here today and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to get on the highway, drive, and and make it here to be able to speak to other black people in Wisconsin so that they can win. You know, like that's a part of boundaries. That's stepping outside of your element and, and just making sure what you're doing feels right for you. That was good. Thank you. That was good. (laughs) <laughs> I get the feeling that when black women in the room. Listen, that was good. That was good, girl. I was over here. I don't know if he, that can be snapping or what. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Would Absolutely. you like to speak on boundaries a you little know, bit, Jamil? She said so much, so much of what you said resonated with me because, like you said, it's such a buzzword and people, are, you got to set boundaries. And I, and I think people get it misconstrued mm-hmm. a lot in terms of what that looks like. And so for me, it's so similar to what you said. We talked earlier, Rajan, about having my planner, my journal, and there were specific things that I wrote down because, like you said, you want something that's structured, but you don't want it to be too rigid. So there is a sense of flexibility there, but there are specific things. Like I've made a schedule for myself because I know that boundaries at work look different than boundaries at home. Boundaries at home, for me, look like delegating. Uh, And my daughter encouraged that, you know, dad will cook this day or cook this day Mm -hmm. because the reality of what I do in my job is sometimes I do have to bring my work home. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to because I work, I have products at at the building and then at home, Mm -hmm. too. So in order to meet those deadlines, sometimes I do have to bring them home. And I'm grateful to have a family that understands that and kind of works with me with that. But then also at the same time, it's those things like making sure now I try to make sure I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. I'm not staying up late. And that's so off me because I'm a night, I'm a night owl. 
I work best at night when everybody is asleep. But I also know that I'm older. <laughs> I can't stay up late like that and then be productive in the morning. You know, one of the things that I've always wanted to do was be a morning person. That's not naturally in me, but I've prayed like, Lord, please, I just want to get up at five o'clock. And so I just made it like, this is something that I'm doing this year. I know that in order for me to product, be productive, I need to set these things in place. So getting up at 5 a.m. is one of them. Making sure that, you know, I'm drinking my water, making sure I'm doing my devotional, making sure I'm exercising, exercising. You know, and like you said, there's no fireworks. There's nothing, you know, spectacular. There's nobody over here clapping for me in the corner. But I feel better. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, when I feel like I've accomplished these things that I've set out, if I say I'm going to make 25 pair of earrings this week, and I've marked those things off on my list, then I feel productive. I feel like I've accomplished what I've set out to do. So I think that in setting those boundaries, not only for other people, because definitely saying no, and I mastered that a few years ago because I was like a yes person. I was always willing to go the extra mile and help people. Oh, that looks like, oh, she needs help. Oh, I can. Uh Uh-uh. Probably about five years ago, I really mastered the art of saying, I ain't going to be able to do that. That I can't do it. And and not even, and I've gotten really good now about not offering an explanation as to why I can't do it. Like, it could be that it doesn't fit my schedule. And it could just be that I'm tired and I need a mental break. And so I've been working a lot more with that in terms of honoring my mental health. You know what I mean? And making sure that my mental health is good. Because if you're not good, there's no possible way you can show up in the community and do the things that you, you know, been called to do. And there's, you're, you're no good for in yourself or anybody else. So that is probably one of my biggest boundaries is just making sure my mental health is good. So that's why I said when my body says rest, that's it. I'm resting. If it's time to eat, I got to eat. You know, if it's if 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 my body needs even in eating like. I, if my body is craving some, you know, green smoothie or something green, then that's that's what I know that I need. You know, just really being in tune with mentally, physically, spiritually, who you are and where you are, I think, is 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 vital on this journey. We all have to have boundaries, correct? Oh, God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, within entrepreneurship and business ownership, it's, you know, it's vital to connect with people as well, you know? So let's kind of pivot here into networking strategies. As business owners and entrepreneurs, tell me about how you strategically network and what that looks like for both of you personally. So I will tell, I I just want to be real. Like there's so many different phases of the process, right? Like me, I, I was low on networking in the beginning. And I feel like you go in and out of this loop of how you network too, in the beginning, I dropped the ball so much, but there came a point where it started to click and it started to make sense. And it also started to fit in the schedule, but you, you have to make time for it because it's so important. A uh, part of like, uh, one of the friends in the work saying, you got to delegate. And then I was thinking about a pastor that I talked to and he said, Robin, it's really important in your role that you allow people that are really good at things to be really good at them, right? Like you really like a great outcome, right? It wasn't about perfection, but it was about being an excellent leader Mm -hmm. and not a perfect leader because there's totally a difference, right? But he said, you got to let those people do what they're really good at too. And when you put it together, the outcome is going to be even better. And then you're going to be less exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so that's when networking kind of clicked for me. Like I've met 
all these people that have given me their cards. And I put these cards in this little fancy thing, but I've never pulled them out. And so I started to be intentional, like what she talked about, about connecting with those people, going back and saying, where are my resources? Who can I call to edit this document, right? I'm paying this person to do this, but I haven't even taken the time to say, you know what? Do all of that. Get all of those things taken care of. And there's so many people that will say, let me help you. And then you feel so inundated with other things that you never actually say, okay, right? And then I just remember even recently us having to get the word out about a toy drive that they were having at the Howe Resource Center very close by. And they were doing a wonderful thing about getting all these gifts to families. But we just didn't have the manpower to do direct calls like what we really like to do for black clients. Mm -hmm. And so... I had another meeting that I knew I wasn't going to be able to make, and I, I explained that to them, and they said, well, I'd love to help. And that was that one. It clicked in my mind. Well, you know what? Actually, I need help, right? Um, and so I think networking is, is really become like there's an event for networking where you connect with people, or maybe you're somewhere and you start to talk about your work and you exchange information, right? So what I have to say about networking is you're going to meet people in your role naturally. You're going to put yourself out there uh, because, I mean, you start a business to do that, right? But you want to be intentional about how you do things so that the impact is greater. And so follow through on those cards that you exchange. Follow through on the people that you meet. Sit down and take a breath when you are in a space and it feels good what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And that's where I've started to really let loose. Like I've been connecting with some other powerful owners and entrepreneurs and especially women bosses that are in my community. And we sit down and we we're we're out and we're relaxing. And, you know, I'm trying to stick to a I need to get home. But you know what? This is for my business. This is for my work. This is for my role. And it feels good. But it goes back to that conversation we had earlier. And so when I enjoy something, I'm learning to just enjoy it. And to pick up on other things later and to say, this is my investment in my business, right? This is something that at the end of the week now, I can give myself a little bit of pat on the back and say, you know what? I I did something that is going to be beneficial to my work and I'm networking and connecting and sharing with people. And there's such a power in it because then they're out there and they're telling people about what you're doing. They're telling people about where you're at. They're telling people about something that's deeper than what your website can show, what your social media can show. They're telling them about you and what's in here. And that is what spreads about the community. And I think that's, I know, and I don't even want to say I think, I know that that's why the success of our organization is continuing to grow because there's so many people that are intentional about their networking scheme and like their networking schema. And they're letting people feel what's in here and how they're feeling the work and the word is is growing. I get to be here with y'all. Yes. That was good. I like what you said about being intentional mm-hmm. because that was one of the things like I'm not necessarily a person to walk up to you like, hi, my name is Jamila. And I, you know, and that's what I think of when you hear networking. It's like when you go to these networking events, you're going to pass out your card. Uh, that ain't me. OK. But that's one of the true. things that I did, a decision I made a few years back was I wear my earrings only like every day, mm-hmm. every single day, because I knew that they would be a conversation piece. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where I'm at who I'm with, I have a conversation about my earrings every day. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that I would say about networking and just your branding yourself. You are the brand. And I think once you hook people in, you know, it's your job to kind of reel them in. Absolutely. Um, I think that just being yourself 
for me, has been the most successful tool in networking and meeting people because I do carry cards in my in my bag. And so every once in a while I'll, you know, hey, if you I notice you have on blah blah blah. If you I've gotten better at that because I used to be uncomfortable with it. Like I don't walk up to nobody, just hand them a card and start talking about what I do. And I you don't have to go that far in depth, but just yes. like you said, putting yourself out there mm-hmm. because I remember when I quit my job and my everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, because it seemed crazy then. I went to the library. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm learning <laughs> as I go. But I checked out all these books. And there was this one book. I don't even remember the name. But it was like this older white lady. And she did like, I don't know, some type of craft. I don't know what it was. But the one thing that she said that stuck out to me the most was, you know, you are responsible for how successful you are or you aren't. And that has stuck with me so much because... I'm the boss. I mean, nobody else is in charge. So you are in charge of your brand. How successful you are is totally dependent upon you. Like the Lord has checked me so many times. Like you have everything that you need. You have everything that you need. Use what you got. And like you said, get to it. And so you can't be afraid. You can't be shy and be confident. There's no possible way you can get anybody to buy into what it is that you're selling, what it is that you're doing, if you're not confident and passionate about it. I think that the pandemic brought about a lot of entrepreneurs. (laughs) It made a lot of people step out, you know, some out of necessity, and some people had to get out and get it, you know, however they could, which is understandable. But I also think that it, it created this group of individuals who started businesses like you just went online, ordered some Vistaprint cards, and you make spaghetti good for your family reunion. And it might not even be the best spaghetti, but your family thinks it's the bomb. And so now you're selling spaghetti dinners, but, like, there's no passion in it. Like, you're not doing it because you're passionate. This is your great-grandma's sauce recipe, and you're passionate about this, and or whatever. There's no passion in it. You're just doing it to get rich. To make some money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't get rich selling spaghetti. Well, you might, but um, but you know what I mean? I think that being passionate about what it is that you're doing is the best thing that you could be in terms of networking. Because then when you meet somebody and you're talking about it, they can see and feel, mm-hmm. you know, your excitement for whatever it is that you are selling, whatever it is that you're offering. So I think not being afraid to talk about what it is that you have to offer is is definitely key. I'm going to circle back a little bit because you mentioned something that I feel is very important to this specific conversation that we're having right now. You said something about entering spaces authentically you and being yourself, right? What does authentic look like and feel like for you? And how important is (laughs) entering spaces authentically you show up in your work? Man. So my tagline is uniquely you because one of the things that First of all, I know that Jay Riley has nothing to do with the stuff that I create. It's about building self-esteem. It's about encouraging. It's about uplifting and making people feel confident and bold in what it is. And I just use the fashion piece or the home decor piece as a segue into building you up. So any experience or encounter with me is authentic because I'm just going to be my regular self. Like you see me here right now, it's the same way I'm going to be with Barack Obama. It was the same way I was with... Erica Badu, look, that's a shameless plug. I thought what I did there because she has worn some of my pieces, but I'm the same 
regardless. It doesn't matter. And I, I think that people know that and they feel that. And I think that when you, when people come into our space, into my store, they come there for that, for that authenticity, you know, and I, and because I'm comfortable, because I feel relaxed, because I make it feel like home, then they feel like that. And so you're able to come down, take a load off, you know, sit, talk, unload, you know, we pray, we cry, we dance, whatever, because it's normal. It's just, you know, just just being yourself, whatever that is. Like, that's the biggest thing. If I can offer advice to entrepreneurs, not even just entrepreneurs, just people in general, just be yourself. Like, you are created to be you specifically. And if you operate in that lane, you're perfect. You know, I was laughing with you earlier. You know, you put that fire out and I had a... <laughs> I look differently than I do now <laughs> today. And I said, Lord, I was only looking like a beauty queen. Now I look like a trap queen. And I started to check myself like, to me, don't wear that mm-hmm. to the podcast. But then I said, no, because it's cold and I'm comfortable. So all I know how to do is to come authentically myself. So it's it's being comfortable. It's being comfortable with whatever it is I'm doing doesn't line up with my values, doesn't line up with, you know, what I know I'm supposed to be out here doing. So that's what, you know, showing up in spaces authentically for me looks like. I used to be afraid to, like, wear my big earrings to places where I knew people who didn't look like me would be because it would be too much or it would be too loud. It would be too brash or tone it down a little bit. I don't do none of that. I don't change how I speak. I don't change how I dress. I don't. None of that. And it works all the way across the board. Black, white, brown, Puerto Rican, Haitian. It don't matter. Everybody. It works. Robin? Authenticity. (laughs) (laughs) I think about like code switching, Mm -hmm. right? And conversations that I've had with folks. And having to code switch, I've learned, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not being authentic, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. code switching is a safety for some black people. And we live in the worst safe for black people to live. Highest numbers of mass incarceration, lowest academic achievement scores, and white folks are capitalized and capitalizing Mm. on all sort of spaces from academia to industrialization, right? And I think about what it feels like when we get into those spaces and we are the one, right? Or the two or three, but we feel powerless. And we oftentimes talk different or have to feel different and assimilate for safety, right? And so I recognize that I've done some of that. Mm -hmm. And the women that I, like, have a lot of respect for, we still have to do some of that for safety. Um, However, I really love what you talked about, like, going into spaces and being exactly who you are. And I've stepped into that a lot over Mm -hmm. the last five years and I can't wait to say a decade Come on. Um, because it's going to feel so refreshing. Um, but I just remember like being needing to take the wig off, you know Come what on. I mean? Yeah. Needing to take yeah. and you felt you know, free. the nails off for me yeah. and needing to just be able to put on, you know, uh, a snapback or be able to put <laughs> on a hoodie and like mm-hmm. do my thing and like know that no matter how I come, 
if I show up with my voice, which I know is strong and powerful and in the right mind, that I'm going to be my authentic self. Absolutely. And that means sometimes I have really shitty meetings. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I have to tell people, you know what, I'm not going to do this today. Or sometimes I have to like choose me. Instead of choosing what somebody has told me is the thing I need to get done that day. And that's what authenticism is for me right now. If I need a break, I take it. If I like the space, I lean into it. And I get to make the choice every single time. It's all about me making the choice. And that's cool. And as as you're talking, I'm thinking about, so I have gone to all white schools all my life. And so I'm accustomed to being the only or of the few. And so... You cold sweat. You know, you learn how to do that. You learn how to get get by to get by. And I think that the older I got, and especially in business within these last few years, the more I leaned into who God created me to be. That's authenticity right That's there. It. As long so if I come into a meeting like this in a room full of white folks, but I talk and allow him to direct my words mm-hmm. and say what it is that I'm supposed to be saying. I don't care what I got on. That's as authentic as as I can get because I know that because I'm being obedient and what he's telling me to do in the space that I am and what I put on. Because I listen to what he tells me to put on in the morning. Mm-hmm. If I'm authentic in all those things, I know my message is going to be received. I know that everything is going to go the way that he sees fit because he's directed and he didn't set it up. That's the most authentic you can get to me. So in those situations, ooh, in those situations, when you get to show up and just be free, man, Afro picked out. Period. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Like, this is it. How you doing, Janet? Good morning. That's it. Like, I done got excited. Look what we over here like. Y'all in here smiling and everything. I love it. The energy is live, man. The energy is live. Man. We're talking a lot about personal identity, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and... uh, as African-American women, what is it like to owning and operating a business in your respected communities? What is, what is the feeling like? There's none like it. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then you just think about what else is it in the world that I'd rather be doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, there is something about the soul of black people that lights you on fire. <laughs> and so when you get to be in a space with them, challenging or not, great day or difficult day, like there's shifts that happen. There's learning that happens. There's magic that's sprinkled magic. all over Ooh. you. And so even if I wake up a little bit off and I get to step foot into my organization where it's just black bosses doing their Come thing. On. Like, I get focused. I get (laughs) on it. I get, like, this bite in me that's like, it's time to get to it. And so where in the past I've had to go to other places that, you know, it wasn't black folks, I'd have to, I'd still be drained. You know, I'd have to make something up or Mm -hmm. play mind tricks to get myself (laughs) going. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like at we all rise, I don't need coffee. I don't need no Red Bull. I don't need nothing to get going. I just need the people 
And to get in there and see like that is real out here. There's so many things that's going on. There's so many black folks that are in need of another good energy to just exchange that with. And that's what we do. It's not about like handing out something or somebody coming to ask for something. It's really about building community together, helping one another, remind each other of our power, being in space with each other, networking and collaborating and building. And I always feel like with each individual client I'm building. And that's the most powerful thing about being able to work with black folks. Like, who I can go on, but I'm gonna let Jay speak. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you got. I I got excited because as you were, as he asked that question, I'm listening to your response. We had the luxury of building out our space, so and naming and everything. So the underground makers market was very intentional. Okay, because I wanted it to be a learning piece, but I also wanted to be, you know, the parallel of. Sister Harriet bringing slaves to freedom. I knew what our space held in terms of, they called it the underground ministry, because I knew what it held before we even got in there. Because I wanted it to be a place where people would be able to come down and escape from their everyday life and to get into the minds and hearts of the creators and what we create, mm. not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you know, all those things down there. Yes. So when you come down our hall, there's a collage of Harriet and it's black. I wanted to. I wanted it to be unapologetically black when you came in there. Mm-hmm. So when you come in, there is no mistaking. My mom, she's not as militant as I am, so hers is a little bit more peaceful. It's a little bit more calm at peace, <laughs> and you know, it's still black. But it's no. When you come, my side, it's a red, black, and green flag hanging there, and there are black women Garvey, everywhere. African. There's a picture. There's a very large picture of. I call the picture Mother Earth. He didn't give it a title, a, a local artist painted it and gifted it to my space. But she has these huge breasts. They're blue. And they have these veins in them. And it's like it's running out. And so a lot of people are like, you're going to hang that up with kids? Yes, because I'm going to educate them and let them know about Mother Earth and let them know how black women <laughs> have birthed and nourished everything that's out here. Everywhere you look in my space is unapologetically black because I wanted us to feel comfortable. You know, we go out everywhere and we're not the majority. Here, in this space, in my space, we're the majority. And I want you to feel that because that same energy, that same magic and all those feelings that you were talking about in your space, we need to feel that Mm -hmm. all the time in our spaces without unapologetically. You know what I mean? Without looking like, oh, we can't listen to this song. Yes, we can. Turn it up. Yes, 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 we absolutely can. (laughs) Yes, we we can't pray. Yes, yes, we can. In Jesus name. Amen. Here we go. Yes, we can. We can do all those things. And then some that we can't light no sage down here. Burn it. Walk through here. You can do what you want down here because this is our space. And so for me to be a black woman running a business, I feel awesome because I feel like I'm able to empower other black people to be proud of who they are. Like that is the most exciting thing for me to build your self-esteem, to build your self-worth, to build your self-knowledge on who you are and who you created to be and the power that you have. You see, I get excited. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, my bracelet's probably jangling all in the microphone. My bad. <laughs> and that excitement is what we're looking for. That is, that's, that's just amazing. That experience is, is very genuine. Um, so I'm looking for one-word answers from both of you guys regarding this question, okay? Just one <laughs> word, okay? Okay? If you were able to start over again, would you change so. anything? Never. No. No? Okay. And, and you know... I think about, and this is the only reason I say that, um, last year, in 2020, my son was murdered. And 
I'm like, would I change that? Obviously, because I would want him to still be here. But there are so many things that I learned from that and so much growth that has taken place from that and so many connections that have been forged because of that. So that's the only reason I hesitated on that question. But other than that, no. Would you like space to speak on how that's changed you or should we move forward? Um, I think it's just made me much stronger in my faith. It's made me be very vocal about my faith because a lot of people can understand a lot of decisions that I made and how I carried myself and how I didn't respond the way people thought I should have responded or I didn't do what I should have done in this situation or, you know, you know, when things happen, there's so many different opinions on what you should, what I would have or you should. I can't believe. Why didn't she? Because the Lord didn't tell me to do none of that. And that was a time where I had to isolate I mean, it happened during the pandemic, which was good because it would have been totally chaotic. But I had to isolate myself with just my immediate family and really dig deep into my faith and not listen to any of the outside noise and listen totally to him. And I think that forged my relationship that much stronger with my family and with God and being able to be vocal about that. As he led, as time has gone on, has helped so many other people. And so I'm just grateful for not only my own growth, but the growth that it's allowed to, you know, for other people to have as well. Because it's never really just about us, right? And thank you for giving us space to have that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to talk, you know, we have two pillars in our community, um, leaders and you know, exceptional black women with us today. So let's talk about community engagement. We're all going through the pandemic right now, and we have a lot of administrative people or whatever you want to call them looking to support more, right? Speaking directly to decision makers, actively expanding their support to black-owned businesses, how can they most effectively engage and support black-owned businesses? Don't be a fad. Don't mm-hmm. don't do it. Don't do it because it's the end thing to do. Don't do it because it's the hip thing to do. You know, in 2020, we were we opened back up. I think maybe June was when we finally opened, and that was right around. You know, there was so much unrest going on, and there was a lot of white guilt. Okay, let's just call it what it was. It was a lot of white guilt, and so we ended up seeing a lot of that in the form of help. How can we help? And for me, I don't really need help like that. And I don't really need a handout. I don't really need anything outside of being treated like a human being. You know what I mean? And being looked at as a human being. And I said all that to say there were a lot. We gained a lot of clients and a lot of customers and forced a lot of friendships with white people. As many as we did, there's probably a very small handful of them that still come and that still support and that still go as hard as they did then when it was the popular thing to do that they do today. Mm. And so that's my thing. You know, if you are support like because you want to support. to be authentic. That, that, there you go. Be authentic. Be authentic. You know, be authentic. Don't make these decisions just because you want to, oh, they, they look, they could use a little help. Let's just can't. No, we don't, we real low key. We don't need no help. We just need room to grow and fight. Get the same opportunities y'all got. We want. And that's that. And let, and let us free to do our thing. So be authentic. 
Very good, Robin. That's it. Be authentic. Robin? I tell my funders. <laughs> I tell my donors. I tell my volunteers. I tell my anti-racist aspiring white allies. Listen to black people. I like aspiring mm-hmm. allies. Because you're always aspiring. Yeah. You're never going to be anti-racist, right? It's an active thing that you need to always be doing. But I tell them, get involved. And there's multiple ways that you can get involved. You can donate your time, mm-hmm. your money, or your treasures. But listen to the folks that are in charge um, Mm -hmm. to let them tell you where they need you to be and let them tell you, yes, what they need from you. And so in our space, I don't just allow flies on the wall. Mm -hmm. I just don't allow people to come and stare and stand and watch things. But what I do allow is for people to make a commitment to the work that we're doing. And so a lot of times I'm between having intimate conversations with donors or funders and volunteers and just giving them something to do because respecting those folks that are looking into my work. I know that some people just like to get to business and that we all rise. We always got some things that can be done, that can be organized, that can be worked on, that can make life easier for my advocates and staff and my clients. And so I like to put people to work right away if that's what they came to do. Uh, and some people just like to give and they don't need any yeah. thanks or want any. And there's some that need a whole lot of thanks, too. And sometimes I say, hey, you're not going to get all that. Yeah. Um, but this is what I can give because I also en- enjoy sharing pictures and sharing what we've built together. And so I'm always trying to find my medium when it comes to um when it comes to funders and donors and volunteers being in the space. And so respectfully in all different situations, I ask. Or I try to figure out, like, what's the best use for the person? And so we have a really intimate, like, volunteer forum where we ask, what are your skills and talents, right? And then what are some of your weaknesses? Because I want to work on building up my people that want to come into my space that are going to come into my space too. And so I want them, I want to know what are some of their weaknesses. And then once we've had that like initial evaluation, then we could tell them like, how are they best in our space? Mm-hmm. Where would they, where do we see a natural fit? But then a after, natural fit. yeah, absolutely. Just assuming what we need. Absolutely. Where do, where's that natural fit? And then they may grow into something, right? Mm-hmm. And so at our agency, we have a, a group of different cohorts you can jump in. We run three separate anti-racist aspiring white ally groups that allow them to get into the space and learn and then getting to the space and like communicate with each other and have a safe space for them. And then after we allow them to get acclimated to our folks in our community. Right. But there's no flies on the wall mentality. You have to put in that work. Mm -hmm. You have to be intentional about being around black folks and before you get to just be unleashed around the agency. And so when you come about, you're going to see a lot of blackness and there's always some white folks in the space. Um, But definitely, yeah, we get them, we get them working and we get donors and funders and we get the funders working too. That's good. And that, because that, (laughs) That education, Pete, that's that's this good. And, mm-hmm. and that's so valuable. Absolutely. What you're doing because, you know, we're in a different capacity being in a retail space. That education piece is so key it's because huge. they're learning how to be of assistance. Yeah. You but know, you know what, Jay? Learning. If they ask you in your space, send them up to Green Bay. 
Tell them, we all rise got something for y'all. Yep. You want to be committed? You want to be in the work? You want to be in natural love with black people? Absolutely. There is trainings that you, you know what I mean? There, we do corporate trainings, all of that from we all rise. And so send them on, send I them absolutely what is will. Yep. Send them I on my way. Absolutely will. I'll help them, help you get them involved. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Let me ask y'all this success, right? That's a very big word, right? And what that looks like can be very challenging to a lot of people. So um, for our viewers and our listeners today, how do you define success? And what is success to you? Mine doesn't look anything like society's view of success. Success to me does not mean that you're rich and that you have these cars and this jewelry and this furs and blah, 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 the house and blah. That doesn't, that doesn't equate to success to me only because, well, not only, but I know so many people who are that vision of success that are some of the most unhappy people ever. For me, success looks like joy. Success looks like peace. Success looks like you operating in whatever your gift is and making a difference. If you've touched somebody else's life mm. and have, have, have helped somebody else along this journey, you're successful already. If you're doing what God has sent you here to do, I feel like you're being successful. So for me, where a janitor may not look successful to somebody else, he could be the best janitor it is, you know, and be doing the best job and changing lives in the individuals that he's speaking to, that he's coming into contact with on a daily basis. And that's success. My bills are paid. We've eaten, clearly. Um, and, you know, I have a vehicle to and fro. That's success. My family is good. Everyone's happy. That's success. You got good friends. You have support systems. That's success. It doesn't, it doesn't mean... Now, 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 that doesn't mean that I won't take the money part, that I can use that too. But that doesn't make or break or define what success looks like or feels like to me at all. I feel successful today. I like to win. So, <laughs> like, for me, like, it's, is my ancestors happy? Like, am I paying homage to all those that came before uh, me? You know, like they say there's um, knowledge belongs to the universe. I like to share knowledge. That's success. The other part, my mom, you know, like I like to put on for my mom and everything <laughs> that I do. Like I, my mom was 14 years old when she gave birth to me. By the time my black mother was 23 years old, there were seven of us and she grinded and she kept us together and she made things work. So like. I like to win for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So every little thing, every time I eat, every time I do something great, I like to celebrate that because I know that there were so many people that when they thought about her, when they seen her with us pushing buggies and carts oh. and all these bags and these little badass kids, like they always thought she was losing. You know what I mean? And I just look back and I look at the stuff that we do, the stuff that that I'm accomplishing, the stuff that my siblings are accomplishing, and I like to win. Yeah. Like 
hit the ground running every single day, when I'm struggling, still get up and push through, like, that's what success looks like for me. Is my mama happy? You know what I mean? Is she really, like, looking at me like, okay, you you snapping right now. Like, <laughs> is my kids looking up at me and they happy? Yeah. Is my husband, like, you grinding right oh. now? You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to, like, be geeked and stay geeked and geek other people yes. up. Like, that's what success, like, yeah. looks like, like. I'm getting geeked right now. Oh, her yeah, right here, that, like, like a professional hyper. Yeah, like, I, yeah, like her line, her colors, thinking about her mission, the how she doing her work, like sharing space with another black woman that's powerful and like mastering her sphere of influence. Like I get to be here. I got invited here. Like you talked about it earlier, like things happening and how God orders our steps. Like, this is success for me, right? Like I'm yeah. on this podcast at Podcast Town. I'm with you all doing this work and this is what success looks yeah. like. Like don't go back to what she said. Don't ever measure your success by society standards yeah. and what they tell us that success is supposed to be like. It could be plenty money. Plenty cars, plenty houses, and then also it could be one house, one car, and grinding. It could be on the bus, but still happy. You know what I mean? It's people that's up there that's sad as hell, and it's people that's right here that's smiling and grinding and happy and and feeling blessed. But between the two, like, I want to see everybody around me win, up there and over there. That's that's success. That's facts. Come on, that's it. And I geek myself up, so you don't even got <laughs> energy, the energy is live. It's live, man. We live today, yo. We live, man. Let's live. Let's uh you know, I hate to do it, but let's transition, you know, again for um this time. Uh we're going through a pandemic, right? And a lot of businesses, specifically small business, have been affected, right? And people have lost their jobs, um, lost their businesses, and it's been a challenge and a struggle, right? How has um, the pandemic and COVID affected your respected businesses? And if it has not, tell me what you have implemented policy-wise, strategy-wise to continue. So we, like I said, when when 2020 was so crazy because COVID was about, it was all the racial, you know, tension was going on. And it was like a, a recipe for disaster, like you said, for so many people. But for us, it was crazy, and we we hate talking about it out loud because it really was a come up for us because we ended up with so much more interest. And while a lot of it was like I spoke about before that white guilt, we had floods, like literal busloads of people coming in and supporting and sewing into the business. I think that for the time, for the period where we weren't able to be face to face, now that threw a wrench in our plans because, like I said, we're a very interactive. It's an experience when you come there. Mm-hmm. And so being able to translate that to an online presence was challenging, you know. And for me, I'm not a, I'm not a tech person. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to learn that. So getting online, doing a website, getting on, Facebook and Instagram and marketing that way and learning dog on TikToks and carrying on and trying to figure out how to reach people and to build, you know, get people to feel my character through the computer has been something, but it, it's worked. I think that there's been a lot of support from larger organizations. For example, we just got a grant um, from the Great Bay Packers. They paid our rent for the first six months of this year. And so... That was like a huge blessing, you know, 
coming off of times where, like last year, towards the end of the year, you know, everybody's funds is different. Like you mm-hmm. said, people's jobs were lost, you know, a lot of death has happened, you know, from COVID. So there's a, there's a lot of loss. And so it was tough, you know, sometimes. And I'm just grateful that each of us individually in that space have our own individual following. And some of them overlap a lot. And so we've been able to keep us afloat. It's been a community. It's really been a community that has come out and rides with us with every single thing that we do. And so I'm just grateful. It's it's because of them that we still are. Because I've seen small businesses that were larger and more that had been around longer than we have that had to close down. You know, so I'm grateful. Absolutely grateful. I agree with her. Like the pandemic, it we it really grew, grew our clientele. Uh, we were able to serve more of those that were in need during the pandemic. We had initially opened our doors in November of 2019. We had had youth work prior to that for years, but two uh, African-American families initially opened our doors. Well, the pandemic struck in February, um, and then things start to really shut down in March. And we decided on our own, um, you know, with great prayer and also preparation that we stay open and establish ourselves with the mental health because we provide free comprehensive mental health services as well as support groups, uh, youth programming. And then we also are a domestic violence and sexual assault agency for black folks. And so I said, we cannot close these doors. We just opened them in November. Then the pandemic struck and it was almost like if we let them down now, you are absolutely like, an essential. We're going to break that trust. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and trust is hard to gain back. Yeah. And so we put all the CDC recommendations in place. We paced ourselves daily. And so the pandemic was, it was quite the struggle, but there was this beautiful blessings that came out of it where so many people were able to grow and barter with one another mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, establish new uh, sources of income. She talked about uh, the folks that sell plates earlier. Like mm-hmm. those, are the people that got me and my family through you know what I mean and like those folks are you know the new businesses that popped up that I was then able to spend my money revolving in the black community Mm -hmm. a little Mm -hmm. bit differently in our community and like so as a nonprofit for us the pandemic is scary as hell Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was scary for the whole world um but and then it was also the national uprising and I know that Jay keeps referring to that and it's so important time um, because yeah, we got a whole bunch of different investors, people that were learning about our product. And she said it earlier, don't let this be a fad, right? Yeah. And so I worry about that, right? These new people that are in our space, that are in our business, that are investing and that are, you know, even in the physical with our other clients. It's like, I want them to have that same commitment. After COVID, after, you know, things are not shut down, you know, invest in black businesses and black people because it's the right thing to do. Invest in us because you know that we're the underrepresented, the underserved, the most marginalized. Invest in us because it feels right for you. And you are not just going to eat and benefit off the souls and the presence and the ideas and the mastery of black people. But invest in us because you want to see, you know this power and you want to see it exist. You want to see it grow. And so COVID has been this crazy thing um, for a lot of people. And, you know, like for there's so much homelessness. Homelessness yeah. and and hunger, and 
you know, I feel you when you say like, I don't want to say this, but I, you know, like our clientele, it did grow when we're in that work. Right. Um, and so I, I understand that like, it's a huge struggle for a lot of folks in America and that's why we're on the ground. We're getting the work done. We're getting the resources that we can and we need support doing that. So I tell people, help us get it, help us win, help us help people win for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is real. This is authentic. This is in our words podcast, yes. man. Whew. That's some energy. That's some <laughs> I keep trying to stop dancing. I was supposed to say that at the end, but I had to say it right now. This is real. This is authentic. This yeah. is in our words podcast, and man. And I hope y'all have felt these sisters in here, man. I hope y'all, you know, I hope, you, you know, the knowledge has been built within the community and, you know, you can take something away from what we did today and what, what you two you know, did today. Um, you know, just to let the viewers know, these two ladies is the first time you y'all are meeting each other, That's right? Absolutely. And it didn't even. I feel like y'all have been. It's my cousin. That's right, right. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, this is man. I can feel it from this side, and it's just been a pleasure, a pleasure to have y'all on this podcast today. I appreciate you, um, for coming up here today. It was that y'all. was that was some powerful, powerful stuff, and I just just can't wait to get that out. Right, just can't. I just can't. But, uh, you know, before we get to the end here, tell um, the viewers and the people that are listening today how they can find you, you know, your business, your, on, on what social media platforms, where, how, can they, how can they get up with y'all? Well, I am located inside of Sherman Phoenix. Sherman Phoenix is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The address is 3536 West Fond du Lac Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We are in the lower level. Um, and our store is the Underground Makers Market, where you will be able to find Jay Riley, the classic shop at Peace Design and Butterscotch Baby. Mm. Um, my Facebook name is Jay Riley for my business page. Um, Instagram, I think I am I am Jay Riley, and I think I'm I am Jay Riley on TikTok too. I think that's all the platforms I have. Yes. So um, We All Rise African American Resource Center is located 430 South Webster in Green Bay, Wisconsin, like right downtown area. Uh, you can find us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, IG, and Facebook at weallriseaarc.org and We All Rise AARC on all the other social media streams. We blog, we YouTube. I think we recently got a TikTok. TikTok and a Snapchat and we do all of that. We're pushing to be more active on the other uh sites, but our our social media following is huge and also our activism on social media. If you get in you go on there, you're going to find black mental health tips. You're going to be uh finding appropriate how to set boundaries, step-by-step things. You're going to find the latest and the greatest in black news all the time. So tune in on our social media for sure or call 920-785-9115 because we support black folks. And if we don't got it, we're going to try to refer you to somebody that does because we are like, it's all about creating and helping restore a vibrant African-American community. And so we do that with all different types of, in all different type of ways. There's no one thing that happens that we all rise. Like whatever our clients come in and tell us they need, we are there to serve them. Let me be here for you while you stand up for yourself. That's our word. Thank y'all. And quickly, 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 
as leaders in the community already, um, y'all had to grow up, right? You had to grow up and come from, you know, from somewhere throughout that experience, uh, quickly again. Who were mentors for, for y'all? And, you know, my mama. Ooh, okay. Absolutely. My mama. I would say my friends are mentors, but there are so many black women who have done this. There are so many black women who are maybe still in the work or even out. And I lean and depend on them hugely. She was talking about saying no earlier. And I remember uh, you said, like, I learned how to say no. And there is a woman in our community, um, works for Shriver Foods and is an exec, Janine Calloway. She introduced me to a book, The Best Yes, and that was life changing for me. There's a um, CEO of United Way, black woman in Green Bay, Robin Davis. She comes by there. They funded and helped a lot of clients during COVID. But it's her energy and her knowledge sharing that is a me- of mentorship to me. I have staff members that they mentor me because all of our spheres of influence are different. And the way that they do their work is different. And so I lean on them for the masters that they are in their roles. And so they're mentors to me. Friends, I mean, previous co-workers in ways. There's always a mentor that you can find in somebody that you enjoy space with. Because there's a reason why I'm here. Otherwise, I won't sit at your table. I won't answer the phone for you. I won't text you back or call you back. It must be for me to elevate in some type of way or to be able to be of support and mentor another person. And so it's one of those relationships. And that's how it goes. I'm a mentor. <laughs> that's real. That's real. And for the viewers and the people listening on today, make sure y'all go and um, like and share these ladies, their 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 profiles and show Do some that. love. Absolutely. Show some love. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure referrals are huge. You know, go and show support to what they got going on here. And uh, if you know anyone looking for help in any kind of way, um, you know, it seems like We All Rise is the place to go. So, again, this is real. This is authentic. This is In Our Words podcast. We out.